We turn this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And we look at that wonderful section where Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd. John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Father in heaven, thank you for these words that you have given that give us a very clear picture of of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. The one who is willing to lay down his life for us. The one who took it up again. The one who lives forever. The one who leads us and guides us and protects us and saves us. Oh God, would you take now these words and use them, Father, to teach us, to guide us into your truth. Lord, we know that your word is everlasting truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I read about a pastor who telephoned in his sermon title to the newspaper, supposed to go in every week. And he was preaching that week on the 23rd Psalm. And the title of his message was, The Lord is My Shepherd. The one on the other end of the phone says, Is that all? He said, That's enough. And so guess what the title was in the newspaper that week? The Lord is My Shepherd. That's enough. <laughs> That is true, isn't it? What does Psalm 23 say? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. That's enough. And that's what we see so clearly in this passage of Scripture where Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, there's at least three reasons we note in this passage today why that's enough. He's all that you need. Notice, first of all, that the good shepherd protects us. And we need protection because sheep are among the most vulnerable of all the animals that God has created. And maybe that's why this uh, text begins with a warning about the dangers there are for the sheep. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door of the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. And so sheep are vulnerable to those who might be outside the flock trying to get in and steal them. And that must have been enough of a concern that that Jesus mentions it two more times. Verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. And so the shepherd always has to be on the watch that someone would come and try to steal those who belong to his fold. Danger from the outside. But notice also there's danger from the inside. Those who were hired to take care of the sheep, but really didn't care about the sheep. Look at verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming. And what does he do? He takes off. He leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Verse 13 says he flees because he is a hired hand and he's not concerned about the sheep. So the dangers are there, aren't they, for the sheep? Dangers from the outside, even dangers from within. Those who are hired to take care of the sheep that really didn't care about them. When the wolf came, they took off. They didn't own the sheep after all. They were more concerned about themselves. And off they ran, and the wolf comes, and the sheep scatter. So who is the thief here? Who, who are the, the hired hands? Obviously, there's a message here that Jesus wants to teach a spiritual lesson. Uh, verse 6 says this was a figure of speech that Jesus spoke to them, and they didn't get it at the moment. So Jesus explained it to them. The thief or the hired hand were most likely a picture of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. We could call them the false shepherds. They were not the good shepherd. They were the false shepherds. And they didn't care about the sheep because they were basically in it for themselves. They were looking for some kind of personal gain, and quite often it was financial gain. Listen to what Jesus says about religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, the chief priests. Luke sixteen fourteen tells us that the Pharisees were lovers of money. And this love for money manifested itself in some really quite alarming ways. Mark chapter 12, verse 40 tells us they, that they devour widows' houses. Can you imagine that? Taking advantage of the widows. Matthew 21, verse 13 tells us that they even turned God's temple, remember, into a robber's den. When Jesus came and, and turned over the table of the money changers and those who were selling doves and so forth. 
And so that's the picture you get of these false shepherds that were thieves and robbers. They were not really there because they loved the sheep, but they were there for their own personal gain, often financial gain. They were lovers of money. That was nothing new, because if you go back to the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 34, you basically see the same thing. Ezekiel 34 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you've not bound up. The scattered, you've not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. And there was no one to search or seek for them. That's what it was like in Ezekiel's day. And Jesus said that's what it's like in his day as well. There were those who didn't care about the sheep, more concerned about themselves. So Jesus came to be that shepherd that would protect these sheep. And Jesus describes then how he would protect them. Verse 2 says, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the shepherd. Do you know how many times the voice of the shepherd is mentioned? They know his voice. And because they know his voice, they follow him. And as they follow him, Jesus protects them. He protects them, what would we say, through his, his Word, right? Through His Word. Gerald Borchert tells of a time when he was in Israel. And he was watching a shepherd who was working with his sheep. It was in the city of Jerusalem by the Jaffa Gate. He said cars were just whizzing back and forth. And here was this shepherd in the midst of all of that turmoil, singing, gently whistling, and despite of all that was going on around them, those sheep were following him. He said it was a beautiful picture of them knowing his voice and following him. Another time he watched uh, shepherds with their sheep out in the sheepfold. And this fold, he said, contained a combined flock of four shepherds. So he had all of these sheep gathered in, in one, one area there. And as each shepherd took his turn, he said it was amazing. Those sheep that belonged to each shepherd followed just the one because they knew his voice. So what Jesus says here, that, that's accurate. That's how sheep are. They get to know the voice of the shepherd. 
And so they follow the shepherd and they won't listen to the voice of a stranger. They don't know his voice. They follow the shepherd. Now, we obviously don't. At least I haven't heard Jesus speak to me in an audible voice. But we do have his word, don't we? We have his word for us. We do know the shepherd's voice because we have his word. And when we hear the voice of a false shepherd, one who doesn't really care about the sheep, we recognize that's not the good shepherd. There's something wrong here that does not fit with the word of the shepherd. So Jesus protects us through his word. We compare what he says in his word with what we hear from all sources. And we say, does that fit with the voice of the shepherd? And if it doesn't, we turn away. Right? Remember the Berean believers in that town of Berea in Acts chapter 17? The Apostle Paul was coming and he was preaching the word there. And what did they do? They, they compared everything that he said with the scriptures to see if it was really the truth. They knew the voice of the shepherd. They knew the word of God. And they compared them. Is what this apostle is saying consistent with what God's word says? That's how we're protected. And that's why we need to know the word of God. Because then when a false shepherd comes and shares something that is not consistent with his word, we do not follow that shepherd because we know the voice of the good shepherd. He protects us because he loves us and he cares for us. So we know the voice of the shepherd because we have his word. And if any teaching does not agree with that word, we know it doesn't come from the good shepherd. Well, secondly, the Good Shepherd not only protects us, the Good Shepherd guides us. As you look at how Jesus describes the sheep here, you notice that they were often on the move. They were going from place to place. We see that activity of verse 3. The sheep hear His voice, and He calls His own sheep by name, and He leads them out. Verse 4, when He puts forth all His own, He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow Him because they know His voice. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and pastor. Now, it's obvious what Jesus is talking about here is that the sheep at nighttime would go into the sheepfold. And they would be protected there. And then during the daytime, he would lead them out into the pasture. And he would feed them and he would care for them. So they were often on the move, weren't they? They were going from place to place as he was finding a place where there was water and where there was food for the sheep. But notice how Jesus leads them. Verse 4 tells us that the shepherd goes ahead of his sheep. And I believe that's significant. He doesn't drive the sheep. He leads the sheep. And there's a big difference, isn't there? A very big difference. William Hendrickson says, The shepherd, having put out all his own, goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow. This is the custom in the Orient. Elsewhere, the shepherd drives the sheep ahead of him. We see immediately that the Oriental custom is better adapted to illustrate the relationship between Christ and his disciples. Jesus leads. He does not drive. (laughs) That's the good shepherd. 
He says, follow me. He's not, you know, prodding them and poking them and hitting them and driving them on. He says, follow me. He leads them. He guides them. And as he goes ahead of us, he prepares the way for us. If there are dangers that are ahead of us, Jesus deals with those dangers. He takes care of his sheep. I think of Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, where Joshua is going to take over for Moses. Moses had just led the people of Israel for 40 years. He's 120 years old now. He says, you know what, Joshua, it's time for you to take over. And if you're Joshua, you're thinking, really? You've been leading this group for 40 years, and now you want me to take over? And I know what they're like, because he'd been with them, right, 40 years. He saw the murmuring, the complaining, let's, go, let's get another leader, let's go back to Egypt. And I can imagine Joshua thinking, okay, I'm not sure I'm right with this. But in Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord gave a promise. He said that he is the one who goes before you, and he goes with you. He said, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. Now, we often think of God going with us, and that is a wonderful thing. But think also of God going before us. Like the Good Shepherd leading us, directing us, going before us. And that promise that God gave to Joshua was fulfilled in a very wonderful way. Remember when those two spies came in to spy Jericho? They met Rahab. Remember that? Do you remember what Rahab told them? She said, we heard about what your God did. We know what He did in, in leading you out of Egypt. We know what He did in parting that sea. We know what He did when it came to these, these kings, Sihon and Og, which the Lord defeated. And Rahab says, our hearts are melting with fear. Because your God is the God in heaven and earth, and we stand in awe of Him. Okay, So, gone before them exactly, prepared the way for them. He did. And He does. Doesn't He not? Does not God go before you as one of His little lambs, as one of those who has put your trust in Him? No wonder the hymn writer says, He leadeth me, O blessed thought. Huh? He leadeth me, O blessed thought. And I'm sure you can look back, many of you in your life, and say, you know what? I was facing a hard time, and I see how God led me. God directed me. God provided me. God protected me. It's often with time as we look back, and we can trace the hand of God as He's brought us to various places in life. And if I asked for testimonies of stories here this morning, I'm sure there'd be a lot of them of how God has guided God has leaded and, and cared for you. Verse 3 says, He calls His own sheep by name. By name. Isaiah 43 says, I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the rivers, they, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the water, you know, shall not drown. When you go through the fire, what does God promise? I'll be with you there in the midst of it all. He knows us. And he guides us. And therefore, we don't have to fear. 
We don't have to wonder about the future. We don't have to be afraid of what is to come because our shepherd is there to protect us and to guide us. Do you remember when you were a little kid? For some of you, that's probably a few years ago now, huh? You old people. No. I remember as a child driving in the car, going from Cloquet to Upper Peninsula of Michigan to visit relatives. I never wondered if my dad had enough money to get gas on the way. The thought never occurred to me. I never wondered, does he have enough money to feed us on the way? It never occurred to me. I knew he'd provide for me. He was my shepherd. My dad. He'd care for me. That's the kind of relationship that we can have with the good shepherd, Jesus. He protects us. And He guides us. And then thirdly, the Good Shepherd saves us. The Good Shepherd saves us. And the reason why we need the Good Shepherd to save us is because He is the only one who can save us. There's no other way to be saved. And and notice how Jesus emphasizes that so clearly. Verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters in through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus did not say, I am a door, did he? As if he's one of many doors, one of many ways. Now, you can get into this room with three different doors. But you can't get into heaven in many, many different ways. There's only one way. I am the door. What did Jesus say a few chapters later? John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I know the world doesn't want to hear that, that there's not many other roads, many other ways, many other religions, but we must stand on the word of Jesus. What does he say? I am the way. No other way. Peter said in Acts 4.12, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. I am the door. If anyone can through me, he will be saved. And how does Jesus save us? The answer to that question is so clear. Five times he says, I lay down my life. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life. Verse 15, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life. Verse 18, no one has taken it from me, but I lay down my own. I lay it down again. I mean, five times in that short passage, Jesus says, I'm the one who laid down my life for you. I am the good shepherd. That phrase is is unique to John in his Gospel. And it always refers to a voluntary, sacrificial death. So when Jesus says He lays down His life for the sheep, it gives us the picture of substitution. The picture of Jesus dying instead of me. Jesus dying on behalf of me. Jesus dying in my place. That's what it's referring to. Gordon Jensen, in his great hymn, says, I should have been crucified. 
I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace. Can you finish it? But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. He took my place. Why do we celebrate Lent? Because Jesus took my place. Why do we celebrate Easter? Because Jesus took my place and offers me life. Rising again. Because I live, Jesus said, you also shall live. You see why you need a good shepherd? You need his protection. You need his guidance. You need his salvation. And that's what Jesus offers today. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. If anyone enters in in through me, he will be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. I I have come, verse 10, that they might have life and have it abundantly. The Lord is my shepherd. That's enough, isn't it? Would you agree today? Can you say that? The Lord is my shepherd. That's personal, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. He is my Savior. I have put my trust in Him. The Lord is my shepherd. That's enough. Let's pray. That's enough for me today. Father, thank You for that great psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We see in John chapter 10 that Jesus is the fulfillment of that wonderful psalm. That He is the shepherd that came to lay down His life who now protects, who guides, who saves. O Lord Jesus, I pray that our trust might be in You today, that we would realize that we need the Good Shepherd. We need a Savior. And You are the One that has come to save. O Lord, apply this Word to our lives today, we pray. For it is in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen.